I am Danika. And I am Myra. And this is the Black Women Healing Podcast. A space to discuss mental wellness. A space to dive into soul care and vulnerability. Here, we will support you on your journey as you focus on your healing. While also giving you the work along the way. Welcome to Black Women Healing Podcast. Well, I am here to announce that our book, Let's Heal, a workbook designed for Black women with various modalities by your co-host Danika and Myra is now at a storefront. And so the storefront is Urbana Goods. It's a community store that brings an upgraded experience of connecting with the community uh, with small crafting gatherings and workshops and supporting other local businesses by housing and selling their merchandise, such as us. And they even sell some of your typical items from the local convenience store. Like y'all, I literally bought some body butter, hair products, and a cute purse all from this store. Just to give you a little example. So when you have some time, check out Urbana Goods. It's located in Guardina, California. The actual address is 1756 West El Segundo, Guardina, California, 90249. You can put it in your GPS, whatever you need to do, but go ahead and make your way there and check us out. Hey y'all, we are back with another episode of Black Women Healing Podcast and uh, we are super excited for this guest. Uh, I feel like we've been waiting a long time, so we're finally here. And so um, before we get uh, to introducing the guests, we usually start off with some sort of segment beforehand. And so lately we've been doing this, like reading a quote and then just doing a little reflections afterwards. So a quote that I'm thinking of today is... If I can find it. All right. So this one right here, I haven't heard of this person, but maybe you all have. But it says, you can fall, but you can rise also by Angelique Kijo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, what do you all think about this quote? The quote is, you can rise, but you can fall also. You can fall, but you can rise also. That's strange. I don't know that I like this quote, but what it sounds like it, it's saying is no matter how many mistakes you take, you can try again. And I think that's why I don't like it, because it sounds basic. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being honest. It doesn't for whoever likes it, you like it. But for me, it's just not doing nothing. Sorry. <laughs> um, you said that's by Angelique. Um, what's her name? Kijo. OK, I think that's a. um. A musician actually hmm. um, yeah if I'm not mistaken um but I think the quote for me at least it means that you have essentially two options really in life um you know you could either do what it takes to um to succeed well first since the fall comes before the rise it's like um even if you fail you could do what it, you could not do anything and just keep you know failing and everything but also you can do what it takes and keep um to on your path to success to success so that's kind of what it um means to me at least yeah yeah no most definitely um uh, it is it is pretty simple i agree it's simple uh sometimes simple's good though um right. literally it's only so much you can get from it you know it's like I just think I'm tired of quotes that are talking about like making mistakes and trying again. Like, I feel like I've heard that so much. Yeah. Give me something yeah. else. Like, it's not really, you just told me, like, I got another chance. Okay. Give me yeah. something else. Yeah. True. But so uh, that was our little reflections 
portion of but so today you all we're going to be talking about uh black masculinity and uh overall just our guests um different things that they're doing right now and so to get started i'm going to introduce our guest so um omo pastor is a storyteller and artist based in atlanta georgia she is a published storyteller of the African diaspora who uses various artistic mediums to heal and empower others through authentic stories with a focus on the intersection of gender, sexuality, emotions, and history within the context of being of African descent and contemporary society. She aims to merge the past and present to create a fluid future where Black people can heal and thrive. Her passion hustle has expanded her messages across an array of platforms. Her work has been issued in several public publications, and she has been featured in various magazines, podcasts, and film festivals. So, welcome our guest. Hey, Omo. Hello. How are y'all doing? <laughs> We're doing good. Um, <laughs> and so, this is getting straight into it. What sparked your interest in Black masculinity? Um, so for me, it was really just because I was, I grew up around a lot of, um, boys, um, uh, that were at least in my family. Like I have, uh, girls in my family, right. Um, as far as like my cousins, um, when we were growing up, um, they're young women now, but, um, the age group, my age group, it was mainly my cousins, like my guy cousins. So we all used to play basketball a lot. So I, I played a lot of sports. Um, and as I like progressed, I realized I had way more guy friends than girlfriends. All right. So, um, that really sparked my, um, interest in black masculinity because I was really encountering, um, that energy more frequent than, um, than the opposite energy um necessary um on my walk in life. So I actually went to a conference in Tennessee and uh I met this guy and he was just telling me about his story, how he was homeless and then he ended up getting a full ride to Ohio State University uh, for academics. And we just had a really long conversation and I asked him, you know, if I could take pictures of him and everything of that sort as we were talking. So um that really made me start to see like you know um there's different stories behind just black men as a whole like even just off rip i know a lot of people tend to have their own preconceived notions about um black men so i felt like okay as a storyteller how can i shift the narrative how can i add to the narrative and um how can i create discourse surrounding um bas black masculinity that differentiates between um how the world sees them and how they see themselves as well as how they off how they um have a create a balance with between their masculinity and femininity as well so um that's really what sparked it and because also like i realized i was able to really connect on a deeper level with um the different guys that i've um, the different men that i came in contact with so um I I actually ended up just becoming like a therapist to a lot of them. So um <laughs> that really was what had me like, all right, let's let's run and see if we could create some dopeness with this. Yeah. And then my, I'm curious about how you define black manhood. So that how I define black manhood, 
I don't really know, to be honest. Like, I feel like there's no, for me at least, there's no true definition of what Black manhood looks like because there's no universal Black man, right? Um, so I don't really believe in, like, it having a definition, to be honest. Um, I think it's whatever feels right to that Black man who identifies as a black man, that individual who identifies as a black man, like how they choose to show up in life, how they, um, you know, choose to present themselves. But I would say um, I do go against what society has portrayed as black manhood, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious in the conversations about um, when you're talking about black masculinity, does femininity come up at all in these conversations? And what does that look like? Of course, that is, <laughs> and it's so crazy because, like, I remember I was doing a shoot just recently too, and I was telling this guy, um, he was, I think he was maybe in his early twenties, um, and we was, I was just, we were just randomly talking. I don't even know how we en- ended up in this conversation, but um, I was telling him, I was like, you know, um, something about like operating in your femininity, and he got so offended. And Mm -hmm. he was like, oh, I'm not feminine. Like, I'm a man, whatever, whatever. And I'm just like, you know, you're a human being, right? And you know you were made by a a woman and a man, right? So either which way, regardless if you're a man or a woman, you have both feminine energy and masculine energy. And then we ended up having a conversation. I was like, do you even know what feminine energy is? Like, And um, he was just reiterating what... The rhetoric around femininity has been like over centuries about oh soft um dot you know just softness uh nurturing blah 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 but um i started to explain to how i was like one thing people tend to tend to forget is femininity goes beyond just what we quote unquote say women should look like right um or behave like it's deeper than that when you create anything as a creative when you create you're operating in your feminine energy and he couldn't really under he didn't understand that because obviously what he was taught from young was like oh a man is this way a man is that way if you're masculine this is how you behave you know you're um you operate like more in an aggressive manner a logical manner you don't have you don't show your emotions and that that com- that discourse has like really trapped and pigeonholed a lot of guys that I come in contact with because they don't understand that there's things that they even do on a on a everyday basis that is them operating in their femininity. So um, I've had numerous conversations about that. Like I often just t- send like I sent my how to send my guy friend like all right this is the difference between masculinity and femininity. There's nothing wrong with operating in your femininity because you're a human being that creates the balance within you. So yeah, that that has shown up multiple times. I just had to ask because I'm always in conversation with my clients about them wanting to be in touch with both and sometimes feeling stuck in one. So mm-hmm. I hope that they're listening to this and they're getting something out of it too to help them think. As we're talking and as I read through your book and read more about you, I get from it that a lot of healing is happening. And so I'm curious for you as you reflect in what ways have you found your writing and even your photography work to welcome healing into your life? 
so for my writing and um, photography, it definitely has been an avenue of healing for me simply because I'm able to um, confront certain issues or certain um, relationships that I've had. So even with um, gays as a whole, there were pieces that I created that I wrote um, that actually were talking about past relationships with um, an individual and also there's an image of a guy that I was actually dating in there as well too um, that court that correlates with um, with that with this specific piece and um, that piece spoke to just how I tend to always come in contact with um, male with men who struggle with seeing me for who I am, right? Um, there's so much of um, a generalization of like, oh, this is what women want. This is what women need. This is how women operate versus like, this is how Alma want behaves. This is what Alma Pasta needs. This is what Alma Pasta, like how she will react if I I behaved in a certain manner. Versus, so there's there was... A uh, major struggle with just like being an individual when it came to dealing with certain guys, um, shoot, majority of guys in my life, you know. Um, so that actually writing those pieces actually presented me with the opportunity to confront that, you know, um, and for me to like open up and see, okay, this is what I'm struggling with when it does come to um, dating uh, men and also just realizing how there's there has hardly been a space a safe space for me to um truly express myself um and that's what the writing component gave me and then just even like coupling it with the photographs it also helped me to show them how show myself and as well as like whoever's reading it how I do see um men and the uh, different type types of men that I've encountered so it, it definitely was able to be it became an avenue for people to see like it's not just one um general type of man that I encounter I tend to interact with it's a various um th there's a vari variety of men that I inter interact with so that so so the idea that okay I'm not getting the safe space that I want is not just coming from one type it's like okay this is a continuous thread that's happening across the board. So yeah, so it definitely helped me in that regards and just opened my eyes as well as I hope it will open other people's eyes in that regard too. So what I'm hearing you say is, because this is really intriguing for me, what I'm hearing you say is you have the reflection of being able to identify that some of the men you've come across see you as this is what women want or this is what their previous girlfriends maybe have one. And so not being able to see what you want personally. I hear this all the time. So I'm yeah. curious, you know, you did like you're writing around it. It helps you to process it. But I'm wondering, like, if a friend were to come to you and say the same thing and they didn't have access to your book, right? Because we have our audience. What would maybe be something you tell them to get them to reflect and like dig a little bit deeper? Because what you're doing is very powerful, but not a lot of people can do that to be able to separate the two. Mm hmm. Hmm, that's a good question. So for um to have a friend to dig a little deeper in regards to um just having them understand uh the difference between what 
a whole collective ones versus like them as individuals? Just to clarify your question. What you would tell a friend who's like struggling to see that, that they're, because oftentimes when I talk with women, they'll say like, this man is not giving me what I want. But in your reflection, it's because you're able to see that they're just seeing you as this is what women want and not recognizing your needs. So being able to help them realize like it's because they're not really seeing what you need. And that's not on you because oftentimes women feel like, oh, it's a me problem that they don't see what they need. When in actuality, not having the reflection that you had of this is what they feel like I want and I probably should express myself. Right. So I guess like... um. For me, like what I often tend to even just tell people in general about like who struggle with that is it's like really one, obviously having a conversation with their um with their partner or such and such or whoever they're dealing, um, whoever they're having that issue with, right? Um, because not if they feel like their needs are not being met. Uh, first thing obviously is having a conversation like what exactly is not being met, right? Um and what is your how is your partner showing up for you that you know that doesn't really co- coincide with what with how you need your partner to show up for you right um so so because sometimes like people are just they don't know that okay all women don't want this or all men don't want this exactly. right so they're ignorant to the fact and ignorant in the sense of like lack of knowledge, legit lack of knowledge um, that to the fact that they don't, that this person it operates in a different space than what they're used to. So um, I would definitely, I do tell people often like have a conversation, like it, you know, the first thing is to have that conversation, but also having it, having it in an open space, like with an open mind versus like coming with your um, preconceived notions, like, okay, this person is going to take it this way. This person going to go that way. And it may, you may be right, honestly, but at the end of the day, if you do come to your partner and say, okay, look, this is what, this is what I need. This is what you're doing that. And this is how you're not technically meeting my um, standards or what I, my needs how can we really address that as a as as a part as partners right um and then i think what you said earlier was was actually really um positive in regards to like um just not really being able to um address that issue because i think there's so much there's so much rhetoric around what relationships should look like what men want what women want especially with social media now um so it's like people struggle like people go to social media to get that to get their advice when it's like you can't tell me what's going to work in my relationship you know like that's the generalization and i think because individuals tend to generalize it's like oh women can't be satisfied or men want this men can't be satisfied all of that versus like really addressing their individual partner like yeah (laughs) thank you for that (laughs) i just feel like we need to dive a little bit deeper because i feel myself having these conversations in so many different areas Uh to like get some attention to it and also like one of the key things that you said that you did was that separation of not thinking about yourself as like the issue but rather this is what I'm noticing with this person. And this is what I'm noticing with me. So I appreciated that. For yeah, sure. Absolutely. Really quickly. Cause I just realized that this is not in our questions. Your name, Omo Pastor. Where did this come from? If you don't mind me asking. 
Oh, for sure. Um, so it actually means pastor's child in Yoruba. Um, so I'm Nigerian from the Yoruba tribe. And um, actually, my dad, my parents are pastors, right? So I decided to go with that just because um, it will create a paradox um, because most people are going to be like, oh, I'm a pastor. They'll think, oh, church, whatever, Christian, blah, blah, blah. But I'm totally the opposite of that. Like, um, just even the conversations that I have, my mentality, how I think, how I operate, my spiritual beliefs and practices definitely are different from what people will automatically assume as um, a pastor's child. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. I knew I knew it had some some context to it. Oh yeah. And they want to miss it. It's like you just said, people are like, oh my pastor, like what does this even mean? You know, so yeah. it's <laughs> nice to to have some context to it. Um, but so this question kind of tackles if you ever have received pushback from tackling black masculinity and like the way it affects black womanhood, girlhood, boyhood across the diaspora, that's a loaded question. Um, but pretty much just like, cause when I think of it, I'm like, Ooh, this could, it's, this could create some uh, different controversies around it or just different ways people think. So have you received any and how have you handled it? Um, I, of course I've received like pushback. Um, and I would say, thankfully it was not really, um, a lot of conversations. It was more so like a building on or trying to get understanding for, at least for me, you know, um, that's, first of all, that's why I created the project, um, because I wanted to spark conversation about, um, what blast black masculinity has looked like um across in america throughout the diaspora and such and such right um so i would say that uh just even receiving pushback it was mainly like conversations in regards to oh um how can you essentially mm-hmm. write something on some on a topic that you haven't really experienced but that goes into the point where it's like but i have experienced it though mm-hmm. i've experienced it on the end of receiving like you show if i have a if i'm dealing with you as a black man i'm receiving your energy right what energy are you coming and bringing towards me as i deal with you as we go through life and such and such right so um i've received pushback in that regards but i've also repeat received pushback in a sense of like um there's a top there's a, a specific space within um the book that talks about the relationship between men like between men with each other. Right. And, um, it talks about like how, uh, this, like how fathers tend to just, it was something that I wrote in regards to fathers, not really accepting, um, their sons who appear at, who appear more to operate more in their femininity than their masculinity. And as well as like the relationships between, um, just men in regards to, Oh, how, um, just like, men who tell other men who I love you and um, not having to say no homo with it, you know? Um, So just even that conversation uh, was one that I've received in regards to like getting guys to understand, like, you know, you are grown, especially when you reach a certain level, you're a grown man. You're a grown man. You do not need to be saying no homo after telling another man, I love you or telling another man, Oh, you look handsome or, you know, that type of thing. And, um, for me, like it, it has generated great conversations because um, I really start to see like how some guys really think 
like how they truly think, how they process um, relationships with each other. And I remember one of my my guy friends, he was telling me about how he's actually, he actually struggled with his, just within his own group of friends, uh, mainly guys, um, just really being able to open up to each other, right? Um, it was never anything when he, and as he reflected, like it was his, their relationship was nothing really substantial in a sense where it's like, oh, we're actually growing from this. It was more so like typical, uh, what we see on social media, just foolishness in regards to, um, you know, just playing women, talking about our sex life and all of that stuff. Right. Um, but he had to really reflect and, um, think about, what does he want to gain from his um, friendship with guys, right? Um, how, and then even just having the conversations about guys who don't hold each other accountable. Cause we were talking about that, like how a lot of guys don't tend to hold their other guy friends accountable. Like, especially if they have a, they're in a relationship with somebody and they're cheating. Right. Or, you know, and it's like, bro, like you're doing too much. That conversation is not. And he realized that, you know, that's something that he, has to you know start thinking about as he got as he gets older and his builds more relationship with guys yeah yeah no most definitely I mean it's a lot that you just said to, to unpack for sure but I think that um I love the fact that even as you talk I'm noticing the language that you use you're saying like some some black men right um you're not saying all right you can't speak for I mean like you said technically you can't speak specifically for any black man but you can talk about your experience right which is it's I mean that's exactly what you have done like you just say even how it got started is because of your experience with black men um and so I love that you can like really center on that like this is where I'm coming from um and it sounds like you've been able to handle the pushback pretty well <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I like conversations. Um, sometimes I do get passionate, but um, it, it's, <laughs> it's 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 it has made for great conversations and um even helped me to get gain a better understanding. Like, okay, I can understand why you think like that, or I can understand how you see um how you see such and such topic. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, have you noticed an increase in? black men and black women photography since you have been in the field or black people in general? Um, I would say, yeah, but I think, um, to be honest, I've noticed more of an increase in people creating content with photography. But, um, when it comes to really being an artist with photography, then I wouldn't even really, um, say yes to that, to be honest. Like, it's very much a content creation um, field that I see. Like it has, it has tremendously grown. Like for people utilizing um, photography as a way to create content, which is cool, you know. Um, but I, I think people should just stick to calling themselves content creators um, instead, you know. So yeah. As we wrap up, I'm curious if you can tell our audience a little bit about your book. So that way, because we like talking about it, but not really. So can you tell them just like a little bit about your book and the inspiration behind it? Oh, for sure. So uh, my book, Gaze, is uh, it's a book filled with poetry, prose, and photographs. And um, I connected with three other phenomenal um, Black women writers um, that I met randomly um, in different spaces. Um and they wrote 
great pieces and i also wrote um pieces as well for um for the book uh so gage really talks about it ha is broken up into two parts so the first part just talks about the dysfunction between within black women and black men relationships whether it's uh relationships with your fathers relationship with your brothers uh relationship with your sons or even just how you like the thoughts behind raising black um, sons, as well as like relationship with um, partners. Um, and then the second part goes into more of the gratitude and the beauty behind um, these within these relationships. So there's a lot of um, that second part is more so filled with love. So I broke it up into two pieces two sections simply because i feel like to address to get to the love part the healing part you have to address the issues right so um that dysfunction part talks about just the the issues the pain the experiences that uh, we've at we as black women um specifically the writers um have experienced in dealing with black men and then um the second part talks about the beauty the love the healing that we've experienced um in dealing with black men so um i did did it like that as well so that there's not one um so there wasn't bi a biased biased approach to it right so if i'm talking about the negative i'm also talking about the positive you know because it's not all negative with black men. It's definitely a lot of positive as well too, at least from my experience. Um, so yeah, so that's what Gaze talks about. It discusses, and it also, I specifically tell people it comes from the lens of black women. So it's not to say, this is how, this is, we're speaking for the voice of black men. No, this is literally our own experience. And this is from our own lens um, and how we see and view and what we've coming, um, what we've dealt with in regards to um, dealing with black men and how they appear in, when they interact with us, as well as what they view or how, and also how we view black masculinity. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. As we wrap up, we always ask our guests if they have any takeaways for our listeners, and it can be anything. Do you have any takeaways for our listeners? Um, as for as far as takeaways, I think the key um thing, just based off of the conversation, it was is really like to not to really learn how to differentiate between um the general and individuals. I think um people need to start paying attention to their partners um, and whoever they're dealing with, it could be your friend or anything and really start seeing, okay, this is what this person doesn't like versus like, this is what this group of people don't like. You know, um, I think that would make a great uh, start to just building better relationships and finding a balance within um, your relationships and just being able to um, build more healthy relationships. If we're start, we begin looking at people for in as individuals versus as a collective. Completely agree. Thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you so much, Omo, for joining us today. I think this is going to be a really good episode. I feel like we haven't tackled this, and I think we for sure going to uh, have some more uh, pie uh, follow-ups with this. So we thank sure. you so much. Thank yes, you for sir. having me, y'all. Appreciate it.